Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Shulton Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Shelton Kranz. Today, I have on my dear friend, mentor, soul sister, and my personal coach, Amber Liliestrom. Before I introduce her, I would like to remind you that we have two Grand Canyon retreats coming up, one in December of this year and another in January of 2021. Both have one spot remaining in both. And if you are interested in joining us, please email me at sarah at sarahsheldonkranz.com and let's see if it's the right fit for you. I would also like to share this exciting news. I am launching a brand new program called The Trail, a community for truth, inspiration, hope, and healing. It begins in January of 2021. The Trail is, oh my gosh, it is everything that I was looking for and wanted in my own trauma healing recovery journey. So if you are anyone looking to shift your life, looking to heal, let go of things that are no longer serving you, if you are looking to simply create a life that you love, please join us. At the beginning of every month, I will send you an email sharing our topic and guest speaker. And yes, Amber will be a guest speaker in one of our months. You'll be invited throughout the month to participate in meditations, journal exercises, and a recorded training that will deepen the learning and understanding of that month's topic. There will be a drop-in group coaching session where I will coach many of you around the topics we are working on. You will also receive a signed copy of my new book, Walk Through This, Harness the Healing Power of Nature, and Travel the Road to Forgiveness. I am so excited to launch this program for all of you. Again, it is everything that I was looking for in my own healing journey. So let's talk about Amber. I have been in Amber's inner circle mastermind for the last two years. She is incredible. If you are interested in joining a inner circle uh, mastermind for business and deep personal growth, please go check her out, amberlilystrom.com. Amber is a transformational branding strategist and business coach, author, and speaker. Her work has been featured by Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Working Mother Magazine, and appeared on countless top-rated podcasts. Amber helps visionary entrepreneurs and CEOs align their purpose with their profit and position themselves as sought-after experts and thought leaders through her life-changing brand love method. She is the author of multiple books, including Paddle Home, Master Your Money Mind, which by the way, go purchase on Amazon right now, and co-author of Quantum Wealth. Amber lives on a lake in the woods of New Hampshire with her husband, Ben, and their daughter. I suggest you go grab your journal, grab your favorite cup of drink. If you can take this podcast outside, again, I prefer that myself as a nature lover. 
Listen, please take notes. This is such a powerful soul-centered conversation about everything from your business to self-worth to loving your life and overcoming really deep, hard things. Um, She has overcome so many things in her own life and Amber is just, she is one of my favorites. And so I love her dearly. I'm so excited to have her on. Please enjoy this episode with my dear friend, Amber Lillystrom. Okay, Amber, I am so excited to have you on for many reasons. Number one, because meeting you was probably one of the, uh, well, not even probably, it was one of the most transcendental moments mm-hmm. sitting on my bed that night, scrolling through Instagram, finding you in a story that I wasn't even following you. And here right. we are two years later. And you just had me on your pad- podcast because of my book release. And now you have your own. And we've already been jam spacing before this, but yes. I'm so freaking proud of you. Thank you. So you guys, um, Amber is my coach. She's my mentor. I'm going to start crying. You have been everything for me, my light. You have held me in such a soft space when I was feeling very hard around my heart and soul. And I got to tell you, I am now an, inc- I'm an incredibly different, completely different human being today than I was when I met you two years ago. So thank you for being on my podcast. My dear, oh my gosh, sister. my dear soul you're, sister. You're so yeah. welcome. And I'm just, you guys, I mean, like, hello, Sarah Schulten Krantz. Can we just talk about the legend that is this woman that we all have the opportunity to know and listen to and love right now? I mean, you're just straight magic and fire and I love you. And I'm just so happy, you know, to just be part of this journey. Like what a gift to get to walk with you in this way and to watch all of these dreams come to fruition and watch you meet yourself in new ways and expand and just deepen your joy. I mean, you already had so much joy and now there's even more, it's exponentially more ever more, right? It's it, that's what quantum living is all about. That's what the quantum is about. It's infinite potentiality and possibilities. And you are someone who really lives there and it's just so fun to, to get to be, on your team. So thank you for the opportunity to walk with you. Thank you. It's interesting. I think one of the most important things that I've uh, learned over the last two years is to listen, Yeah. listen, listen, listen. And when you are dropped a breadcrumb, listen, right? From above, from God, from universe, from whatever you believe. And that is what you've actually done for me when I did listen. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is my mirror. Like this is my mirror. And this is exactly where I need to go. So if anything, that is what I want all of my listeners to realize is when you listen, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 You've become an even better listener than ever before. And, and, um, yeah, I love, I love watching your stories and seeing what creatures, you know, we're major animal lovers here too. And so seeing what comes on your path and I just, I can't wait to come hike with you one day and to go out on the board with you. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to have you. So let's talk about something here, your books. Okay. So if you guys don't follow Amber, go follow her on Instagram because, or Facebook, because your stories and your posts are so inspirational and you now have, you, you Beyonce a book. That's what you're talking about. (laughs) She dropped the book. Um, and I will tell you, it's called master your money mind. And I will tell you that for people such as myself who've lived through trauma, who have lived through relational betrayal trauma, who've you know had an issue with trust, um, our worthiness just gets shot to hell. 
And with that, it's also the worthiness of money. And so I really want to dive into that because I know so many people where I want to bring them onto my trips, when I want to bring them into my programs or have, or to guide them through their own healing. And they're like, I can't afford this. I can't afford this. And there's such a balance between that. Right. And so this book, Master Your Money Mind, was instrumental in helping to me, helping me to realize that I am worthy of every piece of life, including money. Yes. So let's dive in. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about this new book because you actually, you, you, it came back again. You, you redid it, right? Like you rewrote it a little bit. And so tell yeah. us a little bit about it. Yeah. So um, in 2018, I wrote this book. I also beyonce it then. Um, I had my, my second Ignite Your Soul Summit live event and we had 200 people in the audience. We were maxed out our venue we had had a hundred years before. Now we we could we didn't even have an extra seat in the building, and it was just it was amazing. And um, I just thought this would be really fun to have this present, you know, to give the the attendees a gift before it ends. And so I hustled my little buns and figured out how to write a book and how to find a printer who could who could do it and make it look like legit and the way I wanted it to be, and and also make it like quick and easy, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this book. And really the, the learning, um, I think getting in the, the time machine with you, I think it's really important to note that for all of my life, I mean, money has always been a stressor up until, you know, essentially these last few years when I've really taken a bite out of it and figured it out. But I grew up with a family. Um, my parents have worked exceptionally hard. They still do, um, in their seventies. And the storyline was really like, you know, money is hard to come by. Money doesn't grow on trees. Um, my parents made it possible for us to have everything that we needed and more. And I still don't even know really how they did it. You know, I still just, it's still in wonderment when I look at, you know, how hard they were working. And now that I'm an adult and have a job and, and understand how all the transactions of those things work, like, wow, they really, they really dug deep and, um, they didn't tell us anything about it, but, you know, I heard a lot of stressed conversations. There were times where, you know, we had some tax challenges one year and then there was stuff with like, you know, bankruptcy and they're just, there were just some challenges. There were some really hard times and I never wanted to be a burden. I remember as a kid, just thinking like, I didn't tell my parents about my eighth grade trips and stuff. Like I didn't even bring the papers home because I just didn't, I knew that it would be too hard, you know, financially. And I didn't want them to have to even think about it. So I just didn't give it to them. (laughs) I just didn't tell them. Um, and I was doing that a lot as a kid. And I remember at nine years old thinking, if I want to go to college, which I do, I'm going to have to figure this out. And so at nine, I made a decision. I was going to get a scholarship in a sport. And I was like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I started playing soccer around that time. And I wasn't good at all. Like soccer is one of those sports that you're terrible at first, you know, you're there's proficiency just isn't like a natural thing that comes with the skill of that game. You have to, you got to commit to it. And, um, I got really good. I committed myself in a very, very overt way. And I did end up getting a scholarship and I did end up becoming the captain of my college team. And I'd set all those goals to do those things. And I did it and, um, didn't have to burden my parents, you know, and that was really important to me. Um, but still, you know, money was always like this stressor. It was like, if you think about it, so many of us have set up our entire life, like how we live the week, how we live our days, bowing down to the God of money. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, Sarah, you know, I see there are other people in the world that aren't doing that, like that they have a different 
orientation to money. They have a different understanding of money. I, I want to learn that. I don't want to be in bondage to money my whole life. This doesn't feel healthy to me. Like this isn't good. It caused so much strife and stress in my childhood, in my parents' lives. I don't want that. And so I didn't know what my answer was. You know, I was like, well, okay, where do I even start with this? But I, I did what, what you hear most people do. I just started reading books. I got really curious. I started studying people who had at least my perception of success from seeing how they were living and like taking notes of things and watching them in their businesses. And this is when I was still in my corporate career, but I was really doubling down and I was reading books and I love reading. I love books. I mean, my, I have a library downstairs and you know, you could just pick a book off the shelf and there's so many dog-eared pages and underlined sections. And my dad always says when he borrows my books, he's like, I love borrowing your books because I feel like I have a map and I just know exactly what I should be focusing on. You've already like taken me through it. Um, and so I really doubled down and I did my own curriculum. I did my own learning. And I knew that, you know, and I explained this in the book, my corporate career, I had maxed it out. I had reached the ceiling. I had gotten a promotion every two years. There was no opportunity for a bonus. Like there was no more money in that job. And I was spending like 60 hours a week, you know, between nights and weekends working collegiate athletics. And I just knew I needed to do something different. I needed to create momentum in a different aspect of my life. I dabbled in network marketing, which I do think can be a really lucrative, awesome business opportunity. But at that time in 2010, it just, it, the one I had chosen wasn't a fit and it wasn't working, but I was trying. I think this is the thing that's most important. I was trying I was thinking differently. I wasn't looking for a get rich quick scheme. I wasn't buying lottery tickets. I was thinking, how do I create legacy wealth? Like, how do I create a different experience of money for myself? And what I got to the bottom of, Sarah, in all of my work and research was that, you know, so many of us use money as a pawn in the game we've been playing with ourselves our whole lives. And that game really is about defining how worthy we are. And money is on the board. And what I, what I recognize and what I realize, you know, in my own spiritual journey and my own, everything is just that, geez, you know, how we're actually, we're actually putting mo money in bondage when we do it that way, because money's just a tool, you know, money's a tool, just like this Wi-Fi that we're talking on right now. You know, it, we're, we didn't, we didn't have a moment today. Where we were like, I hope the Wi-Fi is going to be enough for us to have our interview. Like we didn't think about that. That wasn't any part of our consideration or concern. And I think. Well, isn't it interesting that we do that with money, right? We, we idolize money. Like it's this thing, this, like this judge and jury that to tell us whether or not we're good or if our skills are good, if our business idea is a good idea. And I, I think we we're making that currency mean more than connection because the truth and in, in, in creation, honestly, because the truth is connection and creation and collaboration always lead to more money, specifically in an entrepreneurial space. The more we have the courage to create, you know, and I love that you use the, you share that part about the Beyonce the book. Um, you know, I, I mean, I have no idea how many sales we made, you know, it's like the black hole of books. You just have no idea what's happening. Um, but it did get to number one in some places and new releases and things. And that was really exciting. I was uh, at one point, I was the only female in the top 10 of all of finance books on Amazon um, in new releases, which was also very interesting to me. Also extra interesting, Sarah, is that never in my lifetime did I think I would have a book in the finance section on Amazon. That's funny. <laughs> I'm an, I was an English major. I, um, so writer, yes, but 
I, I have to tell you, I wrote this book mostly for myself. I wrote this book, well, yeah, basically 100% for myself. And I'm really happy that I get to share it with people. But what I needed to do was compile everything I've learned. All of the, all of the ways in which I was sabotaging myself with money, all of the practices that I've committed to that are actually the way that I live now. I shared them all in the book. I share stories in the book. I, I just put it all in there. And then I give you lots of space for you to actually do exercises yourself, how to look at your own money story, how to go back and ask you really interesting questions um, that you might not think have anything to do with money mindset. But I mean, literally down to, I remember when my my dear friend, Adria Peters, whom I've written a book with, which we'll talk about, um, she was editing it for me. And I asked this question. I said, if you only had six months to live, this is in Master Your Money Mind, what would you do? And she's just like, geez, you went right for the jugular. <laughs> and, and I said, well, yeah, like what? I mean, that's the only way, like the only way for us to get honest with ourselves about how we are living in ways that are not helping us is to, to look at that. And with someone who had a near-death experience, I mean, I, I, I go there often. I go there, like, am I doing what I want to be doing for my life? Am I wasting time on things that don't matter? Um, it really has clarified a lot for me. And so Master Your Money Mind is, is a guidebook to really help people get honest with themselves um, and to reframe and revise the way that they think about money entirely. Yeah. And so can we talk about your near death experience really quick? Because yeah, really quick, uh, because there's a lot that I do want to cover with you. That is really important though, because I know for myself, the moment that I had my discovery of my husband, that was a different kind of near death experience Yeah, which then led me to where I am today, having this conversation with you. Right. So, so many of us have have, we do have these moments of where we feel like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, or yeah. who am I? Or it perhaps is a near death experience. Can yeah. You- well, I would say you're, that's a great way to say that, Sarah, right? Because it was a death of the old life. Right. You know, I, I got divorced when I was 26. Um, that was very, I, I was married for a year to my college sweetheart. There was a death of that former version of me mm-hmm. with that divorce. And, you know, and I, I lived alone for the first time in my life. Um, Honestly, you know, I'd always had roommates, you know, I always had roommates and I had my, my, my boyfriend to fiance to husband. And, um, there was so much that died, you know, when, when I made that decision, which was really a a decision around reclamation and living into my truth and understanding it wouldn't be popular. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways that, you know, we're given these, these opportunities, these moments that feel extremely painful and extremely difficult Um, but we just know it's like, that's the mountain that I have to climb. You know, I have to do it. There's just no other option here. I've tried every other way around the mountain and the only way up it is, is through all of the things that a mountain brings. And so with my near death experience, um, yeah. So reader's digest, you know, of like how we got to it. I was lit. I was pregnant with our daughter. We'd gone through fertility treatments to conceive and I was 31. And so I just like, I didn't really know, you know, I'd had endometriosis for all through my twenties. And I was on some pretty serious medication for about four years after my divorce to like, just suppress it. And I was not having a period at all during all of those, those months and years, which is kind of nuts when I think back on it. And I think, oh, geez, that probably made a pretty big dent in my fertility, but it is what it is. You know, you can't, you can't go back, but I'm at least I have the awareness to understand. And, um, so I remember I got this period and my, um, 
my doctor, I called him and I, they were like, call us when, when your period comes back. Cause I had weaned off of this medication after Ben and I got married. I was like, all right, you know, we're, we'll want to start a family. I'm going to stop taking this. And it took like a, almost a year and a half for me to actually cycle again. And, um, I called them thinking, you know, I had best laid plans, Sarah, like, oh, January of the next year, like, we'll start trying, like, you know, I'm only 31, 32. I'm so young, you know? And, um, cause I always knew I wasn't going to have kids. So I was in my thirties, you know, and all of that anyway. And yeah, he's like, okay, we'll come in. We have to start testing. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's October, like September, October of 2012. And he's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do your fertility treatments now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? But I went with it. Like, I just was so naive. I didn't, I just did what they said. And so there was never even a moment of a question of like, am I going to get pregnant or not? I had a hundred percent belief. I was like, oh, this is what happens. You go do this IUI thing and then you're just pregnant. And, um, so we got pregnant with Ani and all through 2013, I was, I, it was hard, you know, being, I was had crazy morning sickness and I'm working this job. And, um, I, I had stopped teaching at that point. Cause I did teach at the university too. I took time off while I was pregnant because I just knew it was going to be too hard. And, um, I, I just, I think it's important to mention this part. It wasn't like, Oh, easy breezy. I'm pregnant. And like, everything's good. All of this contrast was presenting itself to me. Right. I didn't even understand what I didn't understand yet. I thought Sarah, that I was going to continue to work at my job after I had a baby. Like I was like, like laughing to my body. Like, of course I'm going to keep working. Like, duh, I'm a working woman. You know, I really believed that was going to be like how I did it. And I loved my job, but it was, everything was becoming more torturous. I think this is the important part. Like when you notice that you feel like you're in the squeeze in life, like everything is just feels like harder and you're, it's like, it's like the walls are kind of closing in on you in a way. And I had those feather moments and those brick moments knocking me over the head. I got put on modified bed rest at one point in this pregnancy. I mean, we worked in a, my, my athletic department, the field house has no air conditioning and it's like the heat of summer and I'm going to work and I'm like having contractions. Like there was a lot of things happening saying to me, hello, like, are you paying attention? This way you're living is not working. I had also known that I wanted to launch a coaching business, that I wanted to have a personal brand, that I wanted to coach people, that I wanted to change the, the direction of my life based upon everything I shared with you in Master Your Money Mind. I knew that I wanted that, but I didn't know how. So I just keep tripping over things and going along. And so this is one late August day, the day before my due date, I am sitting on the couch there and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so bad. Like I felt, felt so bad. I'm like, what is this feeling? I'm texting my sister-in-law who's an ER nurse. And I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. And I keep having to like run to the restroom. Like what is going on? And she's like, how, how far apart are these cramps that you're calling them? I'm like, oh, like five minutes. She's like, great. So you're in labor. This is what it feels like to have a baby. I'm like, oh, okay. Like literally like so because, because, and here's why it's funny. I'm emailing my boss that morning saying, I feel a little crampy, but I will be in by noon. Oh my gosh. It's the day before my due date. It does not even occur to me that I'm in labor having a baby. I had made up a story in my head because my mom had me like three weeks late. And you know, you know how our moms tell their, the, our birth stories. And she's like, you were three weeks late. You didn't want to come out the forceps, the whole thing. I'm like, oh, my kid's going to do the same thing. That's what birth was to me. It's going to take forever. I was a pain in the ass. So therefore my baby will be too. Right. That's the story. That's, that's the story. story. That's what my mom said. Oh my God. You know, you were <laughs> going to pitch a tent in there and never come out. Okay. Well I'm here. So <laughs> 39 years later, here we are. Um, so I, I'm like, 
oh, okay. Uh, I called the doctor. She says, you don't sound good. You need to get to the hospital immediately. Do you have a neighbor that can drive you? And you know, I'm so proud, Sarah. I mean, this, you would have done the exact same thing. I look out the window. I'm like, only the weird neighbors were home. I'm not going to call those people. I'm like, yep, the neighbors are, I got it. I'll call my neighbor. It's fine. Like, yeah, right. Schlep my suitcase down the stairs, keep stopping in the middle of the contractions, get in the car, stop, you know, wait at the stop sign for the contraction to pass, drive myself to the hospital. And the lady, I come in, I'm like standing at the desk, like hardly able to even stand. She's like, do you need a chair? I'm like, no, we just need to, we, I just need to sign these things really fast so I can get in there so they can check and see if I'm actually in labor. Like literally this is where I was. Like I was so tough, Sarah. I mean, I had been trained. (laughs) I had been trained to override pain. Like, what do you mean? Pain is actually like a good thing. It means progress, right? Like that's how I saw it because I was a division one athlete. Like you ask your son, pain is progress. Like that means you're winning. And here's the deal though. Emotional pain, not doing anything with it is, is, dangerous, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. challenge. It's bad. It's like, it's why people are addicted to things. It's why people hurt each other. It's that's what that's all about. And so, you know, I had done I therapy and all that, but when it came to my physical body, there was still a lot going on there. So anyway, I get in there, needless to say, I'm in labor. I'm already six centimeters by the time I get there. And, um, they're like, yeah, so we're going to admit you cause you're in labor. I'm like, okay, great. I can tell. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> yeah, cover my work. Yeah. Yeah. So we get, we get in there and they, um, it, you know, whatever I get an epidural, which I wish that I hadn't, but I did. Cause I didn't know, you know, I'm just like, this is the worst thing I've ever felt in my entire life. It feels like it's never going to end. Let's do this thing. And, um, long story short, the, it, I didn't progress. You know, I, I did get to nine centimeters, but I didn't like, I just, Ani was face up. And my body, I'd pushed for four hours, like four hours as hard as I could nonstop. And they're like, you're getting tired. You have a fever. Ani's heart rate's high. You're incessantly vomiting. None of these things are good. We don't want any infections to happen. We're going the OR. And so I was relieved, you know, as most moms are after these types of scenarios, I was relieved and they bring me in, they give me, um, the, you know, anesthesia or whatever they give me the, the block and, um, being the most sensitive person on the planet. I don't really know why this happened, divine intervention, mm-hmm. but I ended up having a high spinal tap, um, happened high spinal and it froze my diaphragm. And, you know, this is, this is hindsight is 2020, but what I experienced laying on the table, Sarah was all of a sudden I just couldn't breathe. The procedure hadn't started yet. And I could feel my lung volume getting shorter and shallower and, and less and less and less. And then I noticed that the nurse was putting a bag valve mask over my face and her hand was pumping next to my face. And I've never experienced anything like this before, you know, and I could feel it. It was actually very weird to feel that feeling my lungs, like doing that without me doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I heard my surgeon say to the anesthesiologist who was behind me, what can I do to help? And that moment I went, uh Oh, like we're not even in business yet. <laughs> like there, there have been no cuts made and he's silent and she's asking, how can I help you? And I can't breathe. And I remember saying to him whispering, like, cause I was losing my oxygen. I remember saying to him, Sarah, this is like haunting. I went, you're killing me. Like I whispered that to him. And I found out later that in this man's 20-year career as an anesthesiologist, I was the only one he'd ever, ever had a high spinal happen to. Wow. So I know that it's not his fault. I know that this was actually God coming in and going like, I need you to like, hold up, lady. 
we need to have a conversation. And I had the most transcendental, beautiful, enlightening moment in between, you know, which motherhood and what I was coming to realize would potentially have been my last breath. And it was, it was, it was amazing. It was also gut-wrenchingly hard in the beginning part of it. And, you know, God only knows how long it was, but I felt the first thing I felt in that space between Sarah was just this deep sense of frustration, loss, and honestly rage at myself because I knew exactly what I wanted to do in my life. I had known my whole entire life. I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse as a really young kid. I heard God say to me, you know, you are here to write books. Your story didn't happen for nothing. You're here to help other people through your story, but also just through who you are and what you've learned. Like I just, I heard that message at a young age. I remember like sitting on the floor playing with Barbies and being like, yeah, okay. Like, cool. That's, that's good. Like, got it noted. And, um, I always carried that with me and I've always been a leader and I've always been someone who has, has been able to, you know, reflect back to people, the light in them and to share with them, you know, what I see. And I've always been her, you know, that's always been my, my way here. And I knew it, but I wasn't doing it. You know, I wasn't doing what I saw. And so that was the loss, you know, that was the frustration of like, you didn't do it. Like you, it, my soul was like, you didn't do it. Like you're here. Come on. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. Why aren't you doing it? You know, And then thankfully that lifted, that clarity lifted. And I saw my husband and I saw my parents and, um, I saw my life, you know, I saw the love that was present for me that not only I was able to give, but I was able to receive from these people just by being myself. And it was profound and it was humbling. And it was the most beautiful feeling that I've really ever felt. You know, I can't really even put into words what that divine, pure, perfect love was there. And I fully, fully surrendered to it. You know, I, I said, you know, if this is your wish for me, and I, I think it's also interesting, like I'm saying God to you now, but back then I didn't really have a spiritual life. I didn't really use the word God. And, but it's what I said in that moment. Yeah. And it was like a, a switch flipped instantly when I fully gave my everything, or I surrendered completely over and I was awake and I could breathe all by myself. And I was just laying there and I, I heard him say to the surgeon, go, 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 like with some urgency. And she started the procedure and, you know, Ani emerged into the world a few moments later and she was healthy and, and well and perfect. And, you know, Ben came in a little bit later and he got to hold her and, you know, and there she was. And, and here I was. And I just remember laying there like, wow, okay. You know, that all right. That just went down for real. And I have I like, did anybody, did anybody see that? You know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew, you know, not in specific detail, but I just knew everything from that point forward was going to be different. I mean, also add the little cherry on top that I'm now a mom. And, and so of course three, you know, in my three and a half months of maternity leave, I went through so much, you know, just healing of course. And there was a lot of healing that needed to happen with my body went through a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I was readmitted to the hospital and I had many complications, infections, and my stomach stopped working and it was, it was nuts, but, um, but I got through it, you know, and I healed it. And I just knew like, I wasn't, I was changed. I had had a quantum leap in consciousness. I was a different person. And so when I went back to work, I couldn't, I couldn't hang. I felt like an alien. I just couldn't do it. And so it was all of it, you know, was that awakening. And, and it took about eight months from when Ani was born, but I launched my business and came home, you know, to the truth of myself, but to my family, to the people that I love. 
And I've built this business that is now a multiple seven figure business over the last six and a half years um, from, from nothing. I mean, really like $0, zero followers, just me starting a little Tumblr blog, writing about what I was thinking about and, and then building this thing and just helping people with what, what was in front of me. It's like, I've been speaking about this a lot lately because we're still on our fertility journey. And, you know, I said to my doctor, I said, like, this is the land that I have, right? Th- this is my land. This is the land that I get to work. So getting upset because maybe I have less follicles than somebody else doesn't, it's not helpful. Right. So let's focus on working the land that's here and seeing what we can create from that. Let's plant the seeds here and let's see what harvest we can yield from that. And I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful for every, every little bit of it, every little inch of it. Well, and you, that's what you've also allowed us to do was just simply to come home to ourselves, yeah. which is, it's the most amazing, most beautiful, inspiring gift that anybody could ever give to another human being. It's been the mirror for me to come home to who I am. Yeah. And again, it always goes back to listening. It mm-hmm. comes back to listening and to taking that step. Yeah. Truly understanding that your soul is speaking to you. That's what happened to me when I had my moment, very different, right? Very different moment. But that was my moment when I was sitting on the couch with my husband. And I just said, I want a divorce and I will forgive you someday. And I knew at that moment that I was never going to be the same woman that I was the moment prior. That's right. And it's okay. I didn't need to be right. Like that's the most beautiful gift too, is that when you are going through this continual growth and this continual healing and Mm. really listening to who you are, you don't want to be the person that you were a moment ago. That's and I think beautiful. the person the, that we were a moment ago, this is a really common theme, and I'm sure it is for your listeners too, but I see this in my clients all the time. There's sort of like this ideal that we've been trying to live up to for so long because we've been trained to think like that's what good girls do. And right. that's if you want to be successful, you have to do it this way. And I'm so excited for our upcoming retreat. We have our oh virtual retreat this weekend. And we're just going to crack so much of that open in ways that are going to just take it to another level and with specifically a couple of the speakers, but one in particular. And I, I love just thinking about that, about how, you know, and there's a really good analogy and I'll just share it. This, so this room that we're in right now used to be our master bedroom. And we live in this amazing house here on a lake and um, it was 1,100 square feet when we moved in, and you've been here, Sarah, a few times. And yeah. we we added this addition on uh, that basically doubled the size of our house, and we're it's just so sacred to us. Our home is just everything to me. I want to get the word tattooed on my body. And um, this room, I remember specifically. You know, Ani was probably like three and a half ish, and you know, you want to like snuggle, you want to have family time. All of you like snuggled up in the bed, and we only had a queen size bed because it was all only thing that would fit up here. I remember one day just thinking, I am so sick of this. Like we have all these pets all over us. We have the kid. I'm always falling off the bed because everybody wants to be touching me. And I want a bigger bed. Like this is just ridiculous. You know, like we need to get a bigger bed. But the problem was there was a closet that was right here. This big, beautiful built-in closet with big sliding doors that the people that came here before us had built. And I remember just laying there in bed, feeling like everything coursing through me, Sarah. And I just said to Ben, I'm like, you know what? Let's get rid of the closet. We didn't, we didn't build it. We didn't choose that. Someone else chose it. Like, why are we, why are we putting up with and tolerating things that somebody else created in our space right now? Use your mindset as the metaphor for this in your mind, in the rules that you hold yourself to 
And why are we doing that? Let's get it out of here. And Ben was like, you know, my husband is incredible and he's super flexible thinker and he's on board. And he was just like, yeah, good point. Why are we doing that? Like we're literally suffering right now in this dinky little bed with our, with our big expansive family that we have, as you know, we have a lot of pets and, and Ani's getting bigger. And I'm like, why, why are we choosing suffering? And so I think that's a really good question to ask anybody who's listening to this. Think about like, it can be the smallest thing. Like, is your furniture set up in a way that drives you insane? I'm the queen of moving the furniture every other day. Like I'm obsessed with changing the energy in the house. I love feng shui. Like I I'm into it. And so I, I won't, I refuse to suffer. Why are we suffering? But again, I told you before I was taught to override pain, which is also a form of suffering. And so it's tricky. It's tricky to see like, is this making me better? Like, or, and what I've learned, Sarah, really in my own um, trial and error, my own questioning is, man, we spend a lot of time choosing to suffer mm-hmm. in ways that really are pretty ridiculous, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you know, the other thing that you have taught me so much is just simply the power of surrendering. Yes. Because through that, we also, right, surrender to what's out yeah. there. That's the other word I need to get tattooed on myself. You need to get that tattooed too, because there are, you're pretty soon you're going to have a body full of tattoos. But I am. So trust, surrender, uh, home. So yeah. Oh love. God. I already have, I already have love right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And, you know, and I think that the most beautiful piece to this is too, is that by allowing yourself to surrender, you've actually woken up, right? That's your yes. amazing. And That's here it. you are now. So you've written this amazing book, which has helped so many people. It yeah. is a reprint right now. Yeah. It is yep. so good. I was actually, I was, I was scrolling through, you know, the, I like actual hard books. Like I like to have Same. a copy and I don't <laughs> have it yet. Um, Neither do I, Sarah. Do you, <laughs> which is so funny to me. But I was scrolling through the PDF that was sent to me. And there, one of the things that popped up, which is so common is the patterns in our life. Yes. And how we follow the patterns, not only of our life, but of the people who have le- actually laid the patterns for us. Yeah. including, which you mentioned before, your dad's written, he's actually read this book. Oh my right? gosh. And you talked it, about that. It slays my dad, me. My dad read my book mm. and he wouldn't give it to my mom. And so yeah. he was doing the exercises too. And so I think the most beautiful thing about this is that you've broken so many patterns. Like you've, you've literally looked yeah. at these patterns and you've said, I don't want to live this way anymore. And I don't want my daughter to live this way. That's right. Drop the baton, guys. Drop the baton. Drop the baton. And your husband was a police officer and he's now retired. And it's allowed so many people in your life, this ultimate gift, including your own dad to read your book and to learn from it, which is so incredible. Yeah. I mean, I could have never, I could have never imagined that, you know, to, to go up to my dad's nightstand and see the book, the, the early version of it folded open to a particular page and his pencil markings all over it, his notes to himself throughout. And when I opened and looked all throughout the book, he's, he's written all throughout it to make notes to himself and man, you know, and then I just think like, we think we're in control. We think we're in charge of how the, the, the whole thing unfolds and unfurls and what a, what a wonder to go, man, I wrote that book. Maybe I wrote that book for dad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's all it ever needed to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful, you know, for, for that, that realization, that recognition. Um, and I think Sarah, you know this enough about me 
uh, I, my target for why I do anything that I do is it's, it is to feel, to feel better, to feel happy, to feel joy, to, to which contribution. And, you know, all those things are part of my value system. Um, and the fact that it gets to help other people and, and I get to connect with other people in really miraculous ways is it's again, like the cherry on top, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the primary purpose. And I think that's really important to speak to because if it were that, you know, if, if, if the goal were, I want to be famous or I want to be significant, or I want to be those things like I would, you know, man, you just miss so much Yeah, because it's, it's a cup that can never be filled. It's like, there's a crack in the bottom. And really that is tethered to that feeling of unworthiness. And the, the baseline of what I help people with is helping them come home to themselves, which means letting go of unworthiness. It's, it's really about that. It's about getting into their purpose. And every single person listening to this, we all have our own individual soul purpose and we all have our own individual way of doing it. Like I certainly will not be leading retreats in the Grand Canyon. That is not my zone of genius, but I, but I help people with things in other ways. Right. And and you're doing it through your modality in the way that is you. And it's perfect. And somebody else listening to this, maybe you're a painter. Maybe you make bracelets. Maybe you, you pour candles with, with signature scents for people that make them feel special. Maybe you're a potter. Maybe you're a mom who makes the French toast every single morning and, and packs the lunches every day in just the way that your kids like it. I mean, all of these things are acts of love and devotion. One is not better than the other. What matters is you living in your sole purpose and embracing the truth of it, not making yourself wrong for it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you because people actually ask me this too. They're shocked when I actually answer it the way that I do. How much do you work on your worthiness every day? Hmm. How much do I work on my worthiness? I think I do in every moment. I think I'm always working on it all the time. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. There are so many people that look at me and think, okay, wow. She like, she, like she just knows she's worthy. Right. But it's this continual, I'm always working on it through my yeah. own practice of forgiveness. It is, it is a practice, mm-hmm. especially for myself when in my past I have felt so unworthy because of what I've attached my worthiness to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. this is like this complete unraveling and you've helped me through this. Yeah, so- no, I think it's an, I mean, I think it's an everyday commitment. And, um, I think one thing that's really important to speak to is I actually was just, I, one of our students in our born for this program lives locally and she won our weekly homework. We give prizes every week for, you know, so she won this incredible citrine crystal. And, um, I was like, Oh, I have enough time before my interview with Sarah to go take my, I have a, you guys, I have a sob 900. It's a 1995 speed. Her name is Ruby. She's red. She's a throwback to my high school car. I'm obsessed. I love this car so much. I'm like, I get to take Ruby out. And so I, the, the wind had already blown her cover off. And I was like, guess I got to go. Guess we're going out for a drive today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I popped in the car and I was driving over there and I was talking to her, um, to Annie on the door, on her little porch. And it was just such a sweet, she didn't even know I was coming. It was like, oh, sorry to, you know, totally ambush you. But she was like, oh, but, you know, it was great. We got to hug and say hi. And um, I was talking to her about how, the, the physical, the physiological addictions that we have to feeling unworthy mm-hmm. and how, um, actually my, my mentor, Rosemary Bradison, who wrote the foreword in, um, Master Your Money Mind. I love her so much. She, she said to me, this was actually like in the past year, she said to me, 
oh my God, how did she ask me this question? But it blew my mind and it took me about two weeks to walk with it and to unpack it. But she was like, I want you to look at all of the ways that you, she didn't say it like this, but this is the way I'm going to say it, perpetuate unworthiness in the way you live. Mm. Like, and, and so what it, what it made me do was look at relationships, look at practices on social media, look at, I mean, everything like granular detail. And I was a little, I was a little blown away. I was a little, I'm like, Rosemary, have you known that I've been doing this all along, but you just didn't tell me. And she, you know, Rosemary in her way, she just looked at me and like, you're doing great, sweetie. I'm like, Oh my God. It was one of those moments where I just felt like all of a sudden, like you turned me by degrees and there was a, an entirely different world that I couldn't see. And I, I want to, I want to pass that question on to you guys to look at. Maybe it's not about like you consciously don't feel unworthy, but the way that you live, the relationships you continue to engage in, the standards that you hold yourself to saying like, I will tell you the truth, Sarah. There've been moments where I'm like, yeah, your book's doing really good, but it's not like a real book. Right. Because I didn't go through a traditional publisher. I went through a hybrid publisher because I also let's back up the bus because I wanted to wanted to, because I wanted to a, I want to, I mean, I'm donating a portion of the proceeds of the sales of the book during launch week to an organization Haven here in New Hampshire that supports women who are survivors of domestic violence and sexual abuse, families and children and women and, and men too. Um, and I will make all the money from the sales. Like it will come to me. And so that all of those things, there's like so many little points that felt very important to me. I like being nimble. I like being able to do it my way. I don't want anyone to tell me how to do things. You already know that. Like, right. <laughs> I, it's, it's really, it's a very interesting experience. It's, I, I just, I want to, I live in New Hampshire, live for your die is our motto here. So I really love take it. that seriously. I love um, so yeah. So I think I, I have to look at those things because they come up and they're real and they create experiences for us biochemically, right? Like not only just in our thinking, right? But those thoughts create chemical reactions and responses in our body that create systems and situations to happen in our physiology that keep us in anxiety, that keep us in depression, that keep, and then we go, oh, I got to go get more caffeine to make myself perk up to get through it. Oh, I got to go have that sugar hit to feel better. Oh, you know, the wine in the evening, you know, thing. And and here we go. And we're like medicating ourselves through the, the, the things that the patterns that we've been perpetuating. I apologize. Mew is. Oh no, screaming. I love Mew. Yeah. You have the most amazing cats. We're oh, God. We're, this is how we are. Cats and dogs. Exactly yes, how we are. We are. <laughs> and, and your husband is the one that actually goes through and edits my podcast, which is really yes. fun. <laughs> <We're done. laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. It's, I just, I think that there is such, I know that there is so much behind that with the worthiness piece as well. And I will tell you that even me having a publisher, you know, I went through that two weeks before, or maybe it was the week before launch. I was like, whoa, am I worthy of this? This yes. is huge. And so it's, it's something that we always work on. And I, and I, I really want to stress that to everybody because I know sometimes people uh, will look at others this is whole comparison thing. Yes. And just trust me, every single step is so important. And I continue to take mine and you continue to take yours. Totally. That's and I, I think of this in people. 
Yeah. I think of this analogy. Um, I remember I discovered this early on in my entrepreneurial career. I call it the entrepreneurial shell game. And it could be for anybody, even if you're not a business owner, but like just the mindset shell game. And it was mm -hmm. like, what's it going to be today, Amber? And back then I had some pretty, I had an, an eating disorder for, from basically age 15 on until I was like almost 30. And I was just, you know, way over exercising, restrictive eating, major anxiety. And so I really worked on that really, really hard um, because I didn't want to bring that into my pregnancy, into my motherhood. I really just knew it was like the rubber hit the road. And I needed to do that deep work around that coping mechanism. And it's funny because I would notice, okay, I'm new in my business. And so there were three things that it would be like, choose which day of the week it was. One day it would be money stress. I'd be freaking out about money. Then the next it would be um, mom guilt. I'm not doing a good enough job being a mom. And then it would be, you know, the old, the archaic old trigger of body stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I had my own number and I would go, oh, like what shell is it today? Like, which one is it under? And now that those things don't even happen, you know, those things aren't even there because I worked at each of them. And what I was able to recognize early on with a really amazing therapist, she was like, it's not, it's not the trigger, it's the the pattern underneath it. It's the, it's yes, it is the physiology that's inside of you, but the thoughts are contributing to that and being able to manage those at the front end and to soothe your nervous system and to calm yourself. You know, I love tapping. Tapping is one of my favorite modalities. Um, I'm like you, I'm a generator. I want to be like running full tilt. I mean, literally before we got on this interview, I pulled in the driveway with 12 minutes. I made crock pot stew for my family and it's cooking right now. I had literally like seven minutes to do it. Cause I also had to make my tea, go to the bathroom. And I was like, I got this. I got this. I, and there's stew now I will have dinner. I made it in seven minutes <laughs> cutting the potatoes. I'm like, cha, 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 like, like a total nut job. So I have that capacity to just, I mean, do all of the things Girl through everything. I don't fly, you know, like speed of light. And, and so I think because of that, I'm just wired to like, not even notice, you know? And, and so of course that pause button has been installed. Um, it works really well. And, and also, you know, I think here's something else that's really important. And, and I know you have a whole process for this. What I've learned is like, where do I feel the most at peace? Mm -hmm. Where do I feel the most like me? What is that? And it's, you know, I, I think at first it might be, it might be like actual external things like, Oh, when I sit in this chair or when I wear this sweatshirt or whatever. Um, but there's a, there's a frequency. It's like those things help you to get into frequency. And so for me, it's like listening to certain playlists, um, lighting a candle, tidying up the kitchen, cooking something, you know, looking out at the water, slowing myself down, putting my phone in the drawer and just being like there, that's, that's really like my sweet spot to emanate from. That's where creativity comes through. That's where I feel like deep connection to spirit to myself, to my family. I feel much kinder there, gentler, more compassionate, more grateful. And so I know that practice for myself. And sometimes I have to kind of like manually put myself in it. Like, okay, we're going to do this now because you're, you're spazzing out. So light the candle lady and put the phone in the drawer and put on the, the, the acoustic guitar music with no words. You do not need anybody's words right now and go I, there. I was on the ocean last night in the dark sitting there making phone calls to clients because I knew that that's what I needed to be doing. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's okay. That is my peaceful space. And you know that about me too. It's, it is okay. Like, can we, okay. let's just, can we just as a, as a team right now, everybody, please, I know can we just, 
can we just make it okay? Like, can yes. we just make it okay that we like to have blue nail polish and go yes. out on paddle boards and, and drive a 1990 Saab and, and like never wear shoes. And <laughs> I mean, like, can we just, can we just make it okay that like we, that all the like doing in the stuff and all the gimmicks and all, it's like, it's too much. It's too much. Can we, can we just let that be okay to have like a really chill life? Can we? Amen again. So many amens in this. Uh, amen like, again. Please. I mean, when we host yes, our retreats, please. right? I'm like, guys, just come to my house. Like, we're not going to do this whole, like, sit in the conference room at the table and oh have the part. Like, I'm like, come sit on my couch in your sweatpants and here's a mug and a blanket and let's just talk mm-hmm. and let's just be. And those are my people. And I, I just feel like our lives have been so fast paced and, and we've been trained to feel like we have to like, go, go out and do all. And I'm, I don't do that anymore, Sarah. I just want to, I want to savor. Yeah. I want to savor my life. I'm yeah. right with you. That's how it is on mine as well. Exactly. Yeah. People ask me, well, how many, how many more miles, as many miles as there are, how many, how much longer as much longer as it takes. Yeah. Let's just be present. This is what's yeah. so beautiful about it. Let's <laughs> this mindset of like, you know, the chase and allow ourselves just simply to be Yes, so beautiful. So beautiful. I love you. I love you. And I, my being in your inner circle has completely changed my life. You know that. Um, and so many other people know that too, because I talk about you to everybody. So grateful. Oh my (laughs) gosh. And your inner circle is open right now, right? It is. Which is amazing. Yeah. For 2021. And so yes. for those of you that, uh, that are wanting to do this within business and life and to deep dive, I'm telling you, it transforms your life. This is exactly what I needed when I was scrolling through your Instagram <laughs> one night lying in bed. It's amazing. And, you know, I think that is also goes back to that frequency and that vibration. And I knew that my soul was being called to that and your, your beautiful way of working and living also called me in. Which yeah. taught me so much. You just, we just knew, we knew like this was, this was time. Our time here on earth was to meet at this moment. And here That's I am. Right. Here you are doing so, it. Thank you, sister. I do want to also, so master your mind, you guys have got to go get this. It's on Amazon yeah. right now. And then quickly tell us about your also writing, co-writing, right. Co-authoring this book with Adria. Yeah. You guys don't know Adria, go follow her mm-hmm. too. Cause she's incredible. Love her. Yep. Yep. So Adria Peters, um, she's an incredible author. We have written a book together um, called Quantum Wealth, Factoring in Abundance. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful book. It's stunning. And it's about, you know, hundred pages. There are 44 words in this book. And with each word, there's a passage. And so you can just take it as, you know, a devotional type book, or, you know, going one day at a time. And, and you could also use it sort of like as a tarot, as some people do, you know, like flipping open to whatever word you're, you're supposed to have that day. Um, but the passages are beautiful. They make me happy. I was reading one of them last night and it was making me cry. And just, it's, it's really high, high vibe, high frequency energy to help you really shift the way you think about abundance, money, debt, all of those things. Um, and understanding we live in such an abundant universe as it is. And so I think it'll inspire those of you guys who are aligned with that. And then I have another book coming out in the spring, um, called paddle home, surrendering to the stream of our true being. Mm -hmm. And that's my, you know, like my, my passion book. Um, and I'm just working out how I want it to look and be and how I want it to live. And it's, yeah, I've been writing it literally for like almost a decade now. So I'm excited to bring that out into the world in the, the form that it's meant to come out into the world in. 
Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You're so beautiful. I love you Thank so you much. Love. I love you and, too. Um, yeah. So you guys, please, 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 if you're interested in the inner circle, go. Like, yeah, just, let's chat. Just chat. Just go chat. Yeah. That's what it was for me. One small phone, one phone call. And it was like, okay, what am I doing here? Don't have yeah. a clue. And I knew that I was worthy of it. Yes. And I also believed that. And I stepping into that, it's only built my own worthiness and all of my own issues with money. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you. Thank yes, you. ma'am. You've done many amazing things in this, this last two years and there's just so much more to come. So there's so much more to come. And I know that definitely know that. So I love you. I love thank you, you for being here and um, yeah, follow along you guys. Thank you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahsheltoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.